Okay, so someone <clears throat> came up with the bright idea uh, to put together a Cornerstone staff softball team. Uh, and they ended up uh, recruiting me, and for some unknown reason, I agreed to play. So I found myself uh, yesterday digging into a closet of old sporting goods stuff that had not been removed from that closet for an extended period of time. And I, I get out, and we're holding kind of a pregame practice, and uh, my cleats, my cleats were so old and brittle that midway through the practice, uh, the bottoms, the soles, the cleated part, began to peel off of both <laughs> cleats. I'm running through practice like this. I, uh, I end up having to drive to the local sporting goods store, bought myself uh, some new white cleats, because you got to look good. Uh, got back to the game, uh, began to play the game, only to realize that my cleats were not the only thing that had gotten old and brittle. <laughs> I, I, I have no business uh, playing softball. My best hit, my best hit of the day was a foul ball that broke a windshield. I have no business playing softball. So uh, the pain will be over in about five weeks. Uh, hey, uh, we're starting a brand new series. Uh, it's called The Man Who Had uh, Everything. And you and I know these type of people. You and I have met them. They're people who just have unbelievable capacity, unbelievable resources in their life, unbelievable intellect. Uh, they're just people who seem to just have it all together. If, if there was a person in the Bible like this, uh, his name would be Samson. He's a guy uh, with unbelievable potential and promise. I mean, talk about a guy who just has everything. God imbues him with supernatural strength. He's a great-looking guy. He's a powerful guy. Women flock to this guy. He is just incredible. And yet the interesting thing that's going to happen is that uh, Samson suffers from what I call Samson syndrome, and that is this that despite all of his capacity, despite all of the promise, despite the fact that you and I would look and go, oh, there's nothing that could hold that guy back. I mean, he is, he is destined for something just remarkable. He will finish his life absolutely disappointing, having missed everything, having lived up to none of the potential, having fulfilled none of the promise uh, within his life. Uh, you and I are going to spend some time today just kind of surveying the life of Samson for a little while, looking at this, because here's, here's why I think this is an important conversation. Every one of us in this room has capacity, has God-given ability, that if leveraged right, if used the way that God always hoped that we would use it, something remarkable could happen in your life, in my life. And if we're not careful, you and I will fall victim to Samson syndrome. And we will find ourselves at the close of our lives having done so much less than what God had hoped, what could have happened. And today you and I may learn some of the first lessons on how to avoid Samson syndrome. If you have your Bibles, grab them uh, real quick. We're going to just uh, dive into this 
uh, man's life. It's the book of Judges, and if you're not real familiar, if you go to the front of your Bible, uh, book of Genesis, and then start working to the right, not too far in, you're going to find this book of Judges. Judges chapter uh, 13. Judges chapter 13. Let me give you a little background while uh, you're getting there. Uh, this is before Israel has kings. This is early on in their history. And during different seasons, God would raise up a judge, hence the book of Judges. And that judge was a God-ordained, God-appointed person who was supposed to lead Israel for the period of their lifetime, keep them on track, keep them going uh, the right direction. In this period of time, Samson is the God-appointed judge, the guy of unlimited potential, unlimited resource, unlimited ability. He's the man who has everything. So uh, here it is. It's uh, Judges chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Here's what it reads. And again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So here's the deal. Israel's gotten off track. Uh, they've started disobeying what God has said, and God said, okay, so if that's what you're going to do, then I'm just going to kind of tighten down the screws a little bit. It's going to get a little hard on you, and I'm going to allow your neighbors, uh, your lifelong enemies, the Philistines, to actually conquer you, and now you're going to live under their oppression. And at this point, when we pick up the story, we're 40 years in. 40 years, the Philistines have been holding them down, ruling over them. Uh, verse 2, a certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was sterile and remained childless. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are sterile and childless, but you are going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean because you will conceive and give birth to a son, no razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Now, if we were to go on and read in the rest of the passage, uh, it goes on, and Manoah, uh, the husband in the story, has a little bit of a hard time uh, believing that his wife has seen an angel, a messenger from the Lord, and that his wife, who has been unable to conceive, is now suddenly going to have a child, let alone this spectacular child. So they begin to pray and said, hey, uh, you know, the, the messenger from the Lord, the angel that came to my wife, could come to me. And sure enough, uh, the angel comes back. Uh, tells him basically the same story. There's an interesting moment in the story when Manoah says to the messenger of the Lord, the angel, hey, what is your name? And he says, my name is beyond understanding. And many theologians believe that rather than being an angel, that this is actually a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ that this is God come, this is Jesus come before He's going to come in human form, and actually delivering this message to Manoah, okay? So, guys, stop, stop for just a moment and think about the promise of the life of a guy by the name of Samson. I mean, talk about the guy is going to be imbued with unbelievable strength. His mother, who is sterile, is now miraculously going to give birth to him. The guy is incredibly good-looking. He's going to be put immediately into a position of authority. God's going to tap him on the shoulder and say, you're the one uh, that's going to lead my people. And this is so important that at the very least, an angel has announced his birth. I don't know about you. No angels were telling my mom anything. 
and, and theologians believe this may have even actually been Jesus Christ announcing this guy's birth. I mean, talk about a life of promise. Talk about a guy who ought to be knocking it out of the park. And yet, the incredible thing is, his life will be a life of absolutely living down. He, he will fail to reach his potential. He will fail to live up to his promise. He will be a disappointment, despite all his gifting, despite all of his ability, despite the fact that he's the man who has everything, because he's stuck with what I call Samson syndrome. Samson syndrome uh, begins with what a leaning problem. Samson syndrome begins when a person decides, hey, uh, I am so talented, I have so much capacity, I have so much ability that no matter what comes my way, whatever thing I have to face in life, I can probably navigate that thing pretty successfully. So here's what happens uh, with, with somebody with this type of capacity is that they begin to say, hey, uh, you know what, I, I, you know, if, if a problem comes, if something uh, begins to fall apart, if there's something that needs to be figured out, I'm pretty sure I can manage it. And their most intuitive response to life is, I can handle it. I, I can navigate this. I, I can fix this. I can buy my way out of this is the intuitive response of Sanson syndrome. And the problem is, the lean is the wrong direction. Jesus, I think, talks about this a little bit uh, while he's here on earth. Matter of fact, it's in Matthew. Grab your Bibles real quick. It's Matthew chapter 19. Keep your fingers in Judges. <laughs> Matthew chapter 19 going to be far to the right in your Bible. If you get lost on the way, just go to the back and work left this time. It's Matthew chapter 19. Starting in verse 23. Matthew chapter 19, starting verse 23. Here's, here's what Jesus said. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Now, here's why this is so confusing for the disciples. They're living under the illusion that if you're rich, God must love you more than he loves poor people because He's given you favor, He's given you ability, and therefore, He must like you more than the people who don't have that, okay? It's a completely errant uh, idea, but you understand their confusion. They're going, wait a minute, if the people that God loves more than the rest of the people, if the rich people aren't going to heaven, then who's going to heaven? Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to figure out heaven. And God. Now, before you get too freaked out, uh, there was probably, and most theologians agree with this, there was probably a gate uh, there in Jerusalem that was actually called the needle, and it was more of a pedestrian way. It was a small gate in which maybe one or two people could kind of navigate, but it's narrow and it's low. 
And so what it's describing here is, is that if somebody came up to Jerusalem, needed to get their camel inside, carrying their goods, you'd have to unload the whole camel. The camel would then have to get down on its elbows and crawl through the gate, and then you'd have to go back and reload the camel again in order to get the camel into town. He's just saying, look, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich person to figure out God. Why? Why? And here's the answer. Because rich people, by intuition, often don't realize they need God. See, here's what happens. Uh, A rich person uh, walks out one day, uh, notices that their tires have gone bald, and they need a new set of tires. And a rich person goes, crud. I was, I was hoping my tires would last longer. And then they drive to the tire shop, and they pull out their credit card. Done. A poor person. A poor person walks out to their car, realizes they need new tires. Guess how a poor person responds to needing new tires? Prayer and fasting. See, a poor person goes, I, I have no capacity in myself to do I mean, I'm broke. I, I can't even pay attention. I'm so poor. And now I need new time. How do I do this? How do I do this and pay my electric bill? And suddenly that person who realizes they don't have the ability to solve the problem, fix it on their own, is suddenly inclined to go, God, I, I need help, and I need help now. Why does Jesus say it's hard for a rich person to figure out God? Because most rich people don't think they need help from God. See, most rich people go, well, I, no, I, I can solve that. I'll just write a check. I can, I can solve that. I'll just buy it. I, I, I can fix that. I'll just spend a little bit uh, more. And because of that, Jesus says, the problem is that then that person who views themselves as being capable and able to fix all of their own problems, never feels the need to lean into God for help. Now, guys, I'm going to suggest this goes beyond dollars. This goes to all sorts of places in our life. See, this is the talented person. This is the person who goes, no, 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 no. Uh, I'll just learn a little more. I'll play a little harder. I'll improve my skills, and, and, and I'm so talented, I, I can get myself to the other end of this. And, and rather than leaning into God, they'll lean into their talent. This is the intellectual person who says, oh, no, no, no. I, I can solve this. I, I, you know what? I, just give me a little bit of time. It's kind of like a puzzle. I'll figure out a solution. I, I, I don't need any help. Matter of fact, I, it's kind of fun to do this on my own. It's like problem, puzzle solving for me. And, and so, because they're intellectual, their inclination is not to say, God, I, I am so confused, and I don't understand, and I need your direction. They go, no, 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 I've got my own direction. It's the popular person. They just go, hey, well, yeah, I'll just make a few more friends. I'll just get, I'll just get some people who like me to help me. Uh, it's the beautiful woman who just says, you know what, I'll, I'll just leverage my beauty. And people, you ready? People of high capacity have a hard time leaning into God 
because they have a hard time feeling the need for God. I know some of us in this room are, are going, well, you know, Lynn, I, I get it because those rich people are really bad people. Because you get, you, get you get that rich people is always the guy who has more than you. That's the rich guy. You realize if you're sitting in this room, if you're living in Chandler, Arizona in the United States, you are unthinkably blessed. Which means I'm just going to tell you guys, there's not one person in this room who's exempt from the conversation of the lean. Because every one of us in here has resources the majority of the world doesn't have. You have talents. You, you have God-given abilities in your life that if you're not careful, you will lean into your own capacities rather than leaning into God. All of us, all of us can fall victim to Samson syndrome. And so I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to ask you as we have the rest of this conversation today to be transparently honest with yourself. That, that, if, that if, if you could have an interview with God and say, okay, God, where's my lean? When stuff comes, when life happens, where do I intuitively go? Do I, do I naturally turn and say, hey, God, I need your help. I need, I need you to navigate this. Or do you instinctively go, oh, I, 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 I can do this. Do you find yourself in moments going, you know what, I just took that job and I don't think I prayed once. You know, that, that issue came up in my life. I actually solved it. And I, if I was, I don't think I even asked God what he wanted me to do. How's your lean this morning? Because here's what you just need to hear. Where you lean will determine how your life turns out. Where you lean will either give you a life of unbelievable result for God. You'll go, people will go, I can't believe. Or you'll end up in a place where people say, how could they have had that much resource, that much ability, that much smarts, that gifting, and have done so little Samson, uh, Samson lives this out in his life, and it, and it takes him to disaster. It takes him to utter uh, disappointment. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles again in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 14. And again, go to the front of your Bible and work to the right if you don't have it. Judges chapter 14. Let me set this part of the story up just a little bit. Uh, Samson one day is out walking, and he sees a Philistine woman, okay? As best we can tell, he doesn't even have a conversation with her. He just goes, ooh, that's good. And uh, he decides she needs to be his wife. Now, guys, catch the moment. Catch the moment. Samson, being an Israelite, is required to marry another Israelite. He's, he's not to marry outside the nation of God. In the very same way that you and I, when God comes and says, look, Here's the deal. You and I are not supposed to be dating. We're not to be in relationship, and we're surely not to marry someone who doesn't know our Jesus. See, you, you, you marry people who belong to the same God you belong to and have a relationship with Him, and you don't not do that. So not only is Samson violating that part of his life, but here's the, here's the worst part. You ready? The Philistines 
are Israel's enemy. So he's not only marrying a gal who does not understand his God, but he's marrying into the nation that is absolutely oppressing his people, the people he's supposed to be delivering his people from. Back to the passage. Oh, let me finish the story first. Uh, His parents go to get this girl. Uh, You had to negotiate engagements in those days. And uh, while they're negotiating the engagement, Samson's walking along one day, and uh, he comes across a lion. And because God has given this guy such amazing physical strength, the Bible says he wrestles the lion. And when he wrestles the lion, it would be like a normal man wrestling a baby goat. I mean, he just flails this thing around, kills the lion. A few days later, uh, he comes back to the location. He thinks, hey, I'm going to go take a look at uh, the dead lion, and gets over, uh, gets to the carcass, and bees have built a beehive inside and are making honey. Uh, he reaches down, uh, eats some of the honey. Now, this is a further violation. Remember, he was a Nazarite. He's set aside. He's not supposed to be uh, near anything unclean. And yet, Samson's pretty sure he's the exception. Because in the midst of his abilities, in the midst of his capacity, he's pretty sure he's a little smarter than everybody, including God. It comes time now uh, for him to get married. They're holding a feast, and the feast goes over seven days. And while he's at this uh, wedding feast that they're at, uh, he decides uh, that he is so smart, he's going to pose a riddle to the Philistine wedding guests. He's going to trick them. He's going to be better at the riddle, and then they're going to have to give him clothes. So here's what he does. He gets up in front. He says, hey, I got this riddle. Here's the deal. Uh, If you can solve the riddle, um, I will give every one of you a brand new Louis Vuitton suit. But... Uh, if, if, if you can't solve the riddle, then every one of you has got to buy me an Armani, okay? So that's uh, the thing. And so where we dive in right now, he's giving the riddle uh, at the wedding feast because he's pretty darn sure he's smarter than everybody else there. Here we go. It's uh, Judges chapter 14, starting uh, in verse 14. He, talking about Samson, replied, out of the eater, something to eat, out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife-to-be, coax your husband into explaining the riddle to us, or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to rob us? Then Samson threw himself on, uh, then Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing, you hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't explained it to my father or my mother, he said. So why would I explain it to you? She cried the whole seven days of the feast. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. She, was, she in turn explained the riddle to her people. Before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than a lion? Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. It also becomes apparent that uh, Samson has a problem with honoring women. Uh, 
That's another sermon. <clears throat> no. I was going to say, try calling your wife a heifer and see where that gets. But it's just, we have half the attendance next week. All right, here we go. Verse 19. Then the Spirit of the Lord uh, came upon him in power, and he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of their belongings, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. Burning in anger, he went up to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to the friend who had attended his wedding with him. Okay, so get this moment. Samson, because he's leaning into his own capacities, he's pretty sure he's smarter than everybody else in the room, says, hey, dude, I'll, I'll do this riddle, and I'm going to make out like a bandit. Uh, his wife-to-be uh, then coerces him into giving the answer. He gives her the answer. She tells the men, now he's in debt, uh, 30 or money suits. His answer, stop and think about this, his answer, because Samson says, I, I can fix this. I'm stronger than anybody. I, I can solve this. His answer is to lean into his own strength, his own capacity, and go out and murder 30 men and then give their clothes to pay off his debt. And, and don't get confused in the moment. Don't go, well, I mean, the Philistines were the enemies of Israel. I mean, I, uh, no, no, no. This has nothing to do with Samson delivering his people. This has everything to do with his arrogance and his leaning into his own capacity, and he simply decides in the moment, I'll fix my own problem with my own strength in my own way. And guys, listen to how the story ends up. The gal that he wanted ends up married to his best friend. Could it have turned out any worse? Because, 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 you ready? Samson has a leaning problem. Every time he gets in trouble, every time he wants to make a decision, he leans into his own capacities and abilities. What's going on? It's simple. Samson believes that his strength is his strength. Let me say that again. Samson believes that his strength, his ability… All, he believes it really is his, and he believes that it is all for his benefit. You get this is easy to do. You get that every last one of us in this room has done this, because here's why. When God gives you ability, when God gives you capacity, and guys, I'm just telling you, He has given every one of us, whether it's the ability to work with children, whether it's the ability to be incredibly good with numbers, I don't know what it is, but I promise you, God has given you ability that if you're not careful, you will decide it's your ability and that it's for you. Here's why this happens. Because when God gives us capacity, it's usually in raw form. So, so here's what happens to the entrepreneur. See, the entrepreneur goes, well, no, 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 no. Hey, the reason I got money, it's not like God gave me money. 
I just had this incredible business sense. I just knew when a deal was good and when a deal was bad. And matter of fact, the truth is I stumbled around and I've made a few bad deals along the way, but I learned really, really quickly. And I just have this innate sense to recognize when to get in, when to get out. But here's the deal. You know why I've got money? Because I earned it. You go to a person with talent. And they would say to you, well, yeah, you know, maybe I had, you know, some sort of innate thing. But, you know, the reason I'm playing in the major leagues, you realize why I'm on an NFL team? Because I went to practice. I lifted the weights. I, I did whatever he had. And when everybody else was going home, I stayed longer. I studied harder. That's why I've got the talent. That's why I'm where I am and the level that I'm at, because I worked at it. It's people with intellect. And they say, no, 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 no. I sat in the same classes everybody else did. And yeah, there may have been a part of me that kind of grasped and caught on to things a little quicker, but here's the deal. I'm the kid who read the dictionary that the rest of the kids laughed at. That's how I got where I am. And, and, And I am here because I applied myself and I studied like crazy and I watched History Channel. That's why I'm here. And if you're not careful... You'll say, no, 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 no. This is my ability. Guys, my best guess is Samson, every day, mountainside fitness. <laughs> and he'd say, do you know why I'm Because I've been lifting weights. And if you and I aren't careful, we will take the God-given capacities of our life and we'll be pretty darn sure They're ours because we developed them. And then we'll use them for ourselves. This is really easy to see in others, isn't it? I mean, mean, how many times have you said to yourself, wow, if I had as much money as them, sheesh, I wouldn't be spending it on what they're spending it on. I'd I'd be feeding orphans. If I was as talented as them, and, and, and if God put me on an NFL field playing or on Major League Baseball, and now they put the camera in front of my face, I'd give glory to God. That's what I would do. I wouldn't be going, yeah, I'm number one. I'd be giving glory to God if I had that talent. This is really easy to see in others, isn't it? Can I just promise you something? There's someone... There's someone looking at you saying, if I was as smart as them, if I had the house they have, if I had the abilities they have, I would use them for the glory of God. You want to hear the interesting part? The people who are saying, if I was as gifted, if I was as smart, if I had as much money as them, I'd be using it for God, might be your sons and daughters. Boy, if I had as much money as mom and dad, I wouldn't be as selfish as mom and dad. I'd I'd use that for God. If, If I had the intellect, if I had the capacity, I... I, I, I wouldn't think that was all mine, and I wouldn't use it all on myself. There's somebody looking at you saying, if I had what they have, 
I wouldn't waste it all on me. I'd, I'd know it wasn't all for me. And so I'm just going to ask you real quickly today, what is the thing that God's given you? What is the capacity that's in your life? And what was God hoping you would do with it? Samson's lean. <laughs> Samson's utter dependence in his own giftedness, his own ability, and his, his, his conception that it's all about him and for him is going to lead him to a lifetime of unrealized potential, of disappointment. Grab your Bibles one more time. Hop over to the chapter 16. book of Judges. Here's, here's what's happening in this moment. This is the end of Samson's life. We've fast-forwarded, and he's gotten involved with a gal by the name of Delilah that we'll come back and we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, she has persuaded him to finally tell the source of his strength, and he finally relinquishes and relents and tells her, it's my hair. She then tells the Philistines, she then tells his enemies, uh, they shave his head, they capture him, and then they gouge his eyes out. Samson finishes his life. Are you ready for this? Pushing a mill, grinding flour as if he were a donkey. The, the, the guy with all the capacity, the guy with all the promise, pushing a flour mill. The Philistines end up throwing a big festival, a big feast, and uh, they're in this big amphitheater, and they say, hey, you know what would be really fun? Let's go see that guy. Let's go see that guy that God gave so much to, and that guy who was going to, remember, remove us from ruling over the Israelites. Let's see that guy, the guy who never lived up to any of his promise. And so they parade Samson out, and they all mock and spit and laugh. Samson says to the young boy who's leading him around, hey, uh, walk, me, walk me over to the pillars that hold the temple up. And that's where we join the story. It's Judges chapter uh, 16, verse 28. Here's what it says. Then, then, after he'd lived his life so below what God had called him to, after he'd lived his life saying, look, this is all about me, and this strength is all for me, and I'm going to get what I need to get with what I have, and now it's all gone, then Please tell me that you and I won't wait till then to correct our lean. That we would get to the end of our lives and go, oh my goodness, I've done so much less. I've lived so much smaller than what God had intended. And then, then Samson prayed to the Lord. 
Isn't it interesting that all through the story of Samson, you never once hear him consult God? Now, now he's consulting God. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just one more time. And let me with one blow get revenge to the Philistines for my two eyes. You, you get, he, still, he still doesn't get it. It's still all about him getting even. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on the, temp, uh, on the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all of his might. And down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. And thus, he killed many more when he died than while he lived. And guys, don't, don't make a mistake here. Don't go, oh, wow. Guys, this isn't when. This isn't what it was supposed to be. This is, this is a team getting beat 56 to 0 at the end of the game, with two minutes left, throwing a Hail Mary pass, and now the score is 56 to 7. That's not a win. Contrast, contrast Samson with a little boy who met Jesus. Contrast the life of Samson with a little boy who had five loaves and two fishes, who knew, you ready for this? Who knew intuitively he did not have enough. He could not fix what was broken. He could not solve what was wrong. And who simply said, I wonder if I took my not enough and I gave it to God. I wonder what Jesus could do with my not enough. And you guys know the story. Jesus ends up feeding 5,000. And guys, here's the cool part about it, because some of you sat in this room, and although, truth be told, you've got amazing capacity and amazing ability, some of us have sat in this room and said, Lynn, that's just not me. I, I can't even describe one thing that I think I do really well in my life. And although that's probably not true, if, if it were, here's the hope. Do you realize that God, more often than not, uses people of lower capacity? Because all the people of high capacity disqualify themselves by leaning the wrong way. And God delights in taking very ordinary people and doing extraordinary things. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would happen if the high-capacity people in this room, people who God truly has given talent and ability and blessing to, would give them to God and say, God, I just want to see what you could do. I, I want you to picture yourself getting to heaven one day. And as you're there, uh, the angel looks at you and says, hey, uh, you're just in time. Uh, it's the judgment. And uh, everybody's going to receive rewards for what they've done here on earth. And so sure enough, they get you in line, and, and you're standing in line with everybody else. And uh, Jesus is giving out rewards uh, to everybody based on what they've done. 
and he gets to the first guy. It's a pretty good pile. And uh, gets to the second guy, and it's, it's a little bit smaller uh, than the first guy. And, uh, and, and now they come to you, and uh, you know, I, I don't know. Okay, maybe a, a C minus pile. I don't, I don't know. And, uh, but before you get to feeling too bad, the next couple of people down the road, they're getting D piles. So you're like, okay, <laughs> didn't flunk the class. And uh, so now you're walking through heaven. And uh, the angel is showing you the streets of gold, and he's, he's showing you the banqueting uh, tables and all the mansions. And you get kind of in the northwest corner of heaven, and there's some warehouses. And, and they're just full of stuff. I mean, the same type of stuff that we're being given out at the rewards. And I mean, they're just packed. And, and you turn to the angel and you go, who's that for? I mean, that's some dude, some dude is scoring big time. Who's is that? And the angel goes, Nah, you don't want to know. And you go, no, no, I'm really, really interested. I mean, I, I didn't see anybody uh, like that in, you know, where I was. I, who's that for? You don't want to know. And you go, no, no. I really, I want to know. And the angel turns and says, that's what God was hoping you would do. See, I, I just don't want to get to heaven, and I hope you don't either. And be the guy that God has to say, I had, I had so much promise for you. I, I, had, I gifted you exactly how you needed to be gifted. I had such an amazing life prepared for you, and you were just so certain that everything you had was about you, all of your gifting, all of your ability was about you. And you constantly leaned into your own capacities. Could have been so much more if you would have simply leaned into me. Let's pray. I'm just going to ask you to take a couple moments of real honesty and transparency today. And I'm just going to ask you, how's your lean do you find yourself in moments going, you know what, I decided to buy that car. I don't think I even prayed about buying that car. I, I took that new job or I moved to that house. I, I don't know that I even, because I, it was, I, I thought I pretty well had it figured out. You know, as long as the floor plan was the floor plan I liked. And, you know, uh, I've been waiting for the promotion. So, of course, I took the promotion because, because, because my capacities are for me. I'm smart enough to know what I need to do. And you're leaning you're leaning the wrong way. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna ask you today if you have to say, Lynn, I, I, th I think I've got Samson syndrome really bad. That you would just take a moment right where you're at before God and say, God, I, I get it. And the the last thing I want in my life is to get to heaven and find out. It could have been, and you had so much more planned, and I spent a lifetime leaning into myself. And today I choose to change my lean. Dear Lord Jesus, we, just, we simply come to the moment 
And we're even going to invite you to remind our hearts that we aren't smart enough. We aren't rich enough. We aren't talented enough to do life on our own. God, how crazy is it that we know we need you to be Savior, we simply forget we need you to be Lord. We, we let you save us for heaven, and then we live for the earth. In our own strengths and in our own capacities, in our own abilities. Never once asking, I wonder why God made me so good at I wonder what he was hoping I would do. So God, we're shifting our lean today away from ourselves and fully into you. This we pray in Jesus' name, amen.